How is everyone today? Have you come to bless the Lord? Good to see you this morning. Let's stand together. Lord, we bless you in this place. We welcome you, oh God, to have your way. That you would anoint us and bless us with your presence is our desire, oh God, as we lift you and magnify you. Touch us, oh God. Let's bless the Lord together. We waited for this day, and we gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. And you're the reason we Oh, man. 
Yeah. 
move on. You just want to say something. Yes, give, give him praise. Give the Lord praise. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord Jesus. So often we come up here and we lead and try to encourage worship from the congregation. But so often, I know a lot of us up here go through things. Just like I know a lot of you go through hard things. So become praising at different levels because some of us are really going through a bad time and we don't feel like doing all this stuff. But God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He's with you. He promised he would never leave us or forsake us. Whatever our situation, however strong our praise feels, however much worship we feel like being involved in, God knows where you're at. He cares where you're at. Let's just lift him for a moment together before we begin this next song. Lord, we lift you in this place. And Lord, we welcome you to have your way in your people. Wherever they are right now in their walk with you, whatever they're feeling and going through in their families' lives, whatever their children are going through, whatever their parents are going through right now, we pray your blessings upon them. We pray you have your way in their lives, oh God. For you, oh God, a God of all, you love, you care, you are ever present help in time of trouble. You are our strong tower. We can run to you, oh God. Wherever we're at, oh God, we can run to you. And we thank you now that we have you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Continue to worship him. Hallelujah. To add to what Brian's saying, we can ask God for anything, and he can do it. He did it for people 2,000 years ago. He's going to do it for us today, too. Sing that verse again. Sing that verse again. Sing that verse again. I just 
think about the problems that your children have. You've been praying for them for years. Keep praying. Keep asking God for them. We can't give up. We have to keep praying for our children. For your spouse, we have to pray for them. We have to love them even when they make us mad. And God helps us get through those situations. We have to shout his name. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over
his name. Just speak his name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Continue to worship as you're seated.
Can we lift our hands and give God glory in the house today? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Could we give Him praise in the house today? We honor you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. We call upon your name today. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we give you glory. We call upon your name today. Let your will be done in our lives. Let your will be done in our lives today, Father. Because your name is power. And your name is healing. And your name is life. Every stronghold through the shadow burn like a fire. Your name is healing, cause your name is power. Your name is healing, your name is life, your name is life. Break every strong break every strong. If you love Jesus today, could you just shout amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a mighty God we serve today. He's able. Don't you believe that today? Don't you believe we serve a God that's able? A matter of fact, do you believe that we serve a God that is more than able? That's right. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that we could ever ask or think according to the power of God that is working inside of us. There is something at work inside of you, and it is the power of God. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can change what's going on inside. I want to speak, if I could, today. I want to simply ask you a question. We have a plenty of time left today. Thank God for those that have came forward and prayed today and been blessed. We appreciate that, and thank God for moving in that way today. But I do want to ask you a question before we leave the house today. It is a question that I am not capable of answering for you. It is a question that you must answer for yourself today. And that is, will you hold up or will you fold up? Will you hold up or will you fold up? Again, I cannot answer this question for you. This is something you must answer for yourself. When I, before I get into my scripture today, when I look at the words hold up and fold up, I look up definitions and this is what I find. That the word hold up means to continue in the same condition without failing, without faltering or losing effectiveness. That means I'm going to keep on preaching. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to keep on singing my song as we talked last week. I'm going to keep on moving forward. I'm going to keep on going on. Come hell and high water. I am going to hold up amongst the pressure, amongst the temptation, among the battles, and this thing we call life. I am just going to hold up in the face of it all. But then on the other hand, the word fold up means to collapse under the pressure. The word fold up means to literally crumble. You've heard people say, I'm just falling apart or I'm crumbling. That means they're folding up. It is when you fail. It is when you quit. It means to stop production. It is the bipolar opposite of what the word hold up means. So today we're going to deal with it. And we've got to answer the question before we leave this house today. Not tomorrow morning, not next week, but today. I need you to make a conscious decision. Whether you are going to hold up or fold up. Before you leave today, I want you to make that decision. I don't want you to give the devil one more day of your life. I don't want you to give stress and anxiety one more day of your life. I want you to make a conscious decision today that you are about to move forward in a way that you never have before. Can you say amen today? If you have your Bibles in the book of 2 Corinthians, I want to go to chapter 12 and I want to read verse 7 through 10 if I may today. The Bible said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I would be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But look at what the Lord said. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast. I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Watch this. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. I will take pleasure in my reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. Yes, even in the stresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now for some of you, you may recall a number of, maybe several months back, I preached the message entitled, Let the Weak Say, I Am Strong. Does anybody remember that? Today I want to go back and let's jump a little bit and we're going to preach from these same scriptures but it's going to be a total different context than what we did last time. I like the fact that when I read in my text that Paul says that there is a thorn in his flesh. Now the interesting thing about this verse is that scholars and theologians are all baffled by the verse because none of them can come to a reasonable conclusion as to exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He just calls it a thorn in the flesh. Now, I have heard people try to define it, but he just calls it a thorn. Now, there are some people, and I looked up different definitions, and you can find a multitude, but I found three that I liked. One of them was anxiety. That anxiety was a thorn in the flesh, and rightfully so. Because the Apostle Paul is a guy, if you recall, one time they had to let him down in a basket in a city because they were going to catch him and kill him. You remember that? 
He said, but they let me down in a basket and I escaped by the hand and grace of God. So anxiety, always looking over his shoulder. People are attacking him. Some say that a thorn in his flesh was opponents in the ministry. That there were people all the time that were talking bad about him. All the time and all the good that he tried to do for other people. And there was always that person that tried to say something bad about him. Other people say it was a physical malady, meaning that it was possibly in some of his writings he refers to having to get other people to pen his letters because of the eyesight. And so some say that the eyesight of Paul could have been the thorn in the flesh. But do you know why I believe that God told the apostle Paul not to label his thorn? It is because all of us have a thorn that we wish would just go away. Oh, God help Jimmy today. We have a thorn in our flesh. There are a multitude, and I could name a lot of things, but I am not even going to take the time to go that, but you know what your thorn is. And there are some of you that you are having to deal with that thorn. You would like for God to take it away, Right? I mean, we have all seen times and had something in our life that that we wanted God to take away or we wanted God to heal. We wanted God to relieve us of it. We prayed about it. We begged God for it. Some of you maybe even have fasted a few meals for it. But what in the world do you do when you ask God to do something and he seems to be silent in the matter? But really, even if you don't realize it or not, God is not being silent. God is actually at work. And God, Paul takes this bad situation that could have destroyed his faith, all right? And he says, I have made a conscious decision. I have made a choice. I have prayed and I have asked God not once, not twice, But three times I have asked God to deal with this for me. And God sent me back the same message. Paul, I am not taking away your thorn. But I want you to know that as you deal with the situation, that my grace will always be sufficient for you. And when you are weak, I am going to help make you strong. I'll give you encouragement. I'll give you strength when you need it more. Since I cannot get it my way, Since it does not leave, the Apostle Paul said, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me and for his sake. When I am weak, then am I strong. His grace is sufficient. I will hold up and not fold up. I will go on. The enemy will not rejoice over me. I will not be another mark, another number, another statistic of the enemy that says they couldn't make it. They gave yet another one turned their back on Jesus. Yet another one could not have faith to make it all the way. I will not allow the devil to make me one of those statistics in Jesus' name. Let me show you Micah chapter 7. I love this verse. Because this is what he says. 
Do not gloat or do not rejoice over me. My enemies, for though I fall, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes we do. And sometimes we will. Even the strongest of Christians every now and then fall on the ground. There's a many of boxers that have fought fights. I remember when Mike Tyson was in his prime. Anybody remember those days? Y'all don't enjoy watching people beat each other up? What's wrong with y'all? Old Iron Mike would fight and fight. And it was amazing the one day that you saw him go down. And people thought, that's impossible. This man can't fall. But you figure out that even the strongest and the greatest are able to fall down. I'm telling you today, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Because there's times that I will fall. But I want the enemy to know that if I fall, I will rise or get back up again. I want the devil to know that though I sit in dark places the Lord is going to shine his candle and his light on me and be my light in my darkness do not rejoice over me oh my enemy see you could ask Daniel and you would find out that there's a God that will show up even in the lion's den praise God You're going to figure out with Daniel, there's a 21-day prayer and he's waiting on the answer. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. When that angel says, God heard you the first time you prayed. But we've been fighting against principalities and powers. Even though I fall, I am going to rise up yet again. You could ask Elijah, the man of God. I preached it a few weeks back. He finds himself in a dark cave. In a cave of depression. Feels like he's the only prophet left. But in the middle of his tragedy, the Lord came to him and said in a still small voice, Elijah you have not been meant to stay in a cave you have not been meant to stay knocked down get up boy don't let the enemy rejoice over you you could go and you could even ask Job we've read of Job and he goes through all that he goes through the enemy is laughing the enemy is mocking Oh, but when he falls on the ground, Byron, he wasn't falling to give up. He was falling to worship God. The devil thought as he was falling to his knees, he's about to tell God he gives up. He's going to call it quits. But what in the world is Job doing? He's got his hands up saying, praise God anyhow. Do not rejoice over me. Oh, God Almighty. You got the apostle Paul. Ask him. Thorn in the flesh, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Understand with me today that faith is trusting God. Here it goes. With the answers or without the answers. Some of y'all missed that. Faith is when God gives me the answer, I hold on anyhow. But when God doesn't give me the answer and he's silent, real faith holds up anyhow. My Lord, help us today, Jesus. Sometimes he will answer you.
Sometimes he will give you the clearest answer to your question. And you know that you have heard from God. I mean, he just speaks to you. He gives you peace in the middle of your storm. You leave that room or that place of prayer knowing that God spoke to you and you can give it to him. Let go of it and let faith take care of the rest. But then at other times, he seems incredibly silent. But true faith, genuine faith, real faith says whether or not He answers me, I still believe that He is God and nothing is going to shake my confidence in Him. If He does not show up, the real issue is not will God do it. Because when I read the story of the three Hebrew boys, it's an interesting read. And I've got a king that's threatening them and I'm going to throw you in the fire. God didn't show up. God could have killed the king right there. And so who do you think you are talking about me, buddy? When the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire, I want you to grab this, they thought they were going to die. They had already told him. Said, O king, live forever. Our God is able. But if not... We will not bow down. What I'm telling you is when they went into the fire, they didn't know whether God was going to be there or not. But yet true faith in their heart said, you know what? We really believe that God's will is going to be done either way. And when they get down in the fire, guess who showed up right on time? Is that not a fourth man? And he appears to look like the Son of Almighty God. He shows up right on time. The real issue is not questioning whether God will show up or not. The real issue or question is will you hold up or will you fold up while you're waiting on Him to show up. What amazes me about the Apostle Paul is that he had this thorn in the flesh for many years. As far as... Many in the Bible you could read, he only prayed about it three times. Maybe he did more, but the Bible only says that he prayed about it three times. If that would have been me, I'd have whined and griped and cried every day. Amen. God, why in the world are you? Oh, why, why, God, why, why? Out of all the people in the world you could have chose, and you chose me. But the Apostle Paul said, well, God, you know what? I can't change the situation by myself. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put it in your hands. And I'm going to let you be God. And whatever you decide to do, then I'm going to be happy with. I am going to be satisfied with it. I am going to be content with it because I know that if you are in control and if you made everything that moves and lives and has its being, if you are the one that gives me the next breath that I'm going to inhale and exhale, if you are that God, then surely I can trust you with my situation. So Paul gives it to God, walks away, and says, If I keep the thorn, so be it. But I'm going to glorify God even in the middle of this pain. God help me today. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap and praise. Would you? See, we as Christians need to learn 
how to suffer sooner or later. Because sooner or later, our theology is not going to measure up with the Bible. Oh, yeah, some of y'all missed that. We have to learn that we are going to suffer. This gospel of you get saved and everything's good is a lie from hell. The person and the preacher that is preaching the thousands of people today telling them it's going to be a perfect life is a liar and a hypocrite. They are. They are not preaching what this Bible says. Because this Bible tells me few are the days of men, but their days are full of trouble. It's part of life. Our theology tells us we are going to suffer. How can we not expect to suffer? How can we not expect to go through trials when the Apostle Paul ended up losing his head for the gospel? I mean, we are going to go through trouble and trials. It takes more faith to trust God when He does not answer you than when He does answer you. Can you believe in the superior judgment of God even when you don't have a clue what He is doing? In other words, this God is all-knowing. He is superior to man. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts, so I can trust His judgment on this circumstance or situation. Figured out my theology after what I'll call a lifetime of church. I was raised on the church pew. I told you my mama shouted with me around the church. I'm flipping. Thank God the umbilical cord didn't wrap around my neck and choke me out. I'm flipping like John the Baptist. She's speaking in tongues, shouting nine months pregnant. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I know what church is about. I have read my Bible, no, not once, multiple times through different versions. Now that I glory more than you all, as the Apostle Paul said. I know what the Bible says. So I don't know it all. No, I'm still learning every single day. And that's why I read it every single year because I find something new that I never saw before. But I've read this Bible enough to know I believe that God is God. There is nothing that will change that. I believe God is El Elohim. I believe He's the creator of all things. I don't believe in a big bang theory. I don't believe that all of a sudden this stuff just happened and poof, here we are. I don't believe we evolved from a bunch bunch of monkeys. I believe that we are made after the likeness and the image of Almighty God and God breathed into man and he became a living soul. I believe today and I have seen it that God can heal you instantaneously. I am not just talking about a physical healing. I am talking about emotionally. I am telling you that in your mind immediately God can change your way of thinking right here and right now. I believe in an instantaneous healing God. I've seen it done before. It has happened to me, but I also believe in progressive healing. Have y'all heard of that? The debate of sanctification. Some people say, well, it's instantaneous. You're just sanctified. Well, I believe in instantaneous sanctification. I also believe in progressive sanctification. That means that God is still working in me and He's sanctifying me, cleaning me up, making me look more and more like Jesus the closer I draw to Him. So I believe in a progressive healing for your body, for your soul, for your mind. I believe God can do that. 
And I have come to a realization that sometimes God doesn't heal everybody. This is, t- this is a tough word, ain't it? Amen. But my theology has taught me. My Bible has taught me. Oh, I wish you'd have. Our theology has to measure up with the Bible. Amen. And let me tell you something about us physically. Humans die. Listen, I pastor some precious people. And we got people who are like, Grandma's 105 years old and they're praying God a healer. And I'm sitting there saying, let granny go and be with Jesus. She's been through enough. 105 years, let her go. We think we can live forever. But guess what? That is not God's way. You are going to die. You are dying right now. Right now. Every day you wake up. And the wrinkles are getting just a little bit deeper in your forehead. And your wife tries to tell you, oh, honey, that's a nice, distinct, sexy look for a man. And you're like, huh? Ain't nothing looking good about this to me. Get my cream out. We are dying. We are aging. If God healed us every time we needed to be healed, then bless God, we'd be eternal beings on earth. I got to hurry. If... if He chooses, if He chooses not to fix our situations right now, there are one of three things, as I close, that are happening in your life. The first one is this. God is allowing it to happen. As hard of a pill as that is for you to swallow today, yes, this infinite, almighty, all-knowing God may be allowing you to go through it. That's hard to swallow. Does God sit around and laugh at me? Does God sit, does, does God sit around and see my thorn and see my flesh and just giggle? Ha ha, look at him suffering. There's something about a divine plan that we don't fully understand. There is something about a big picture that our little finite minds cannot comprehend. Our flesh cannot grasp it. You know what I'm concerned about today, Byron? I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch. You think I know what God's going to do 20 years from now? I don't even want to start trying to think that way. I have no idea. Again, I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch. What I'm telling you is that God may be allowing it. There, Satan... You go and try my servant Job. Had it not been for God. Oh, this is deep. This is too deep. This theology is going deeper and deeper. If that had not been for God, Job would have never went through what he went through. The devil did not have the power to do it to him. The devil did not have the authority to do it to him. God was the only one that could give the green light and say, go do it. I want you to process that for just a minute. God allowed Job. But if God did not allow Job to go through what Job went through, then we would not be able to preach it on Sunday mornings and read in the book of Job and be encouraged that if God could turn this situation around and give us a double portion, my goodness, what kind of world would it be if we didn't have it? 
You go try Job. Do you know why God allowed Job to go through it? Because he said, go try Job. I know Job can take it. You allow Job to be tested. Because if there's any man on the earth that can come out on the other side with his hands lifted and a testimony, it is going to be Job. Yes, God allowed it. Secondly, God is going to reverse it. In other words, maybe God has allowed it so that God can reverse it. And reverse it means that God is about to do a supernatural turnaround. And you were headed this way, but God all of a sudden is going to, whoop, he's going to turn the script, change it, and the story changes immediately. Thirdly, perhaps God is going to sanctify it and he's going to use it for his glory. Did you hear what I just said? I, I was looking at my Bible. Let, let me see if I can find it here in my photos. I was looking up my Bible, a story. Yeah, there it is. And I was looking up, and his name is Joseph in the book of Genesis. You ever heard of this guy? His brothers hated him. His brothers despised him. His brothers said, let us kill him. But of course, one of them, Simeon or Reuben, one or the other, I can't remember which one. One of them said, hey, what we're going to do, we're going to spare him. Let's put him in a pit. Oh, here come some Ishmaelites. Let's sell him into slavery. We'll dip this coat of many colors in blood. We'll go home and tell Daddy, Daddy, we are so sorry to tell you, but your son is dead. Daddy will believe us. Everything will be okay. They do that. They sell him. He goes into Egypt. While in Egypt, he faces difficulties and challenges and circumstances. He goes to Potiphar's house. He's accused of rape. He wrongly accused of rape. He is in prison. However, God is with him. God blesses him. Even in the jailhouse. He starts having people have dreams. There's a butler. There's a baker. He interprets their dream to a T. The jailer takes note of it and says, man, I'm going to put you over the prison. To which one day the king has a dream. And they say, well, we've got one that can interpret your dream, Pharaoh. Your sorcerers can't do it. But there's a guy named Joseph in whom the Spirit of God dwells and lives. If we'll call Joseph, he'll interpret your dream. He interprets the dream. He, he gets promoted, comes out of jail, gets pardoned, and becomes a second leader in all of Egypt. That's Pharaoh's right-hand man. Is everybody still with me? Years have passed. A famine hits the land. God has given Joseph the wisdom and the discernment to prepare for what's coming. Through a dream to Pharaoh, God gives the interpretation through Joseph. This is how you're going to survive these seven years of famine. Pharaoh says, do your thing. I trust you. I believe in you. And one day, here comes these brothers, 11 of them. And they come because they're hungry. And there is a famine in the land. They are about to die. To which when Joseph sees them, and he not, like they did not recognize Joseph. The Bible told us, I read it. It said they didn't recognize who Joseph was. But Joseph knew who they were. I mean, how many daddies going to run around with 11 kids? You got to be insane. That's Jacob. 
That's my daddy. He's the crazy one. He got 11 kids. There's one at home, so he's got 12. In reality, he's got 13 counting Joseph, but he thinks Joseph did. Now, you would have thought that Joseph would have sought revenge on his brothers, but he uses his position and his power to provide for his family. In Genesis 50 verse 20, this is what he told his brothers when he finally revealed who he was. And they thought, oh my God, he's going to kill us. But he said to them, you intended to harm me. But God intended for good to accomplish what is being done now. The saving of many lives. What you intended for harm. God intended for good. What I'm trying to tell you is even the story of Joseph teaches us of a bigger plan that we can't see right now. But it's a plan that God is going to show up. Come on, I'm closing. I've preached long enough. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore I will glory in my infirmities and my tribulations. He also wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the infamous verse, that he will not put more on me than I am able to bear. And then with that temptation, he'll also make a way of escape that I will be able to bear it. He will not allow me to go through such a severe trial that I cannot get up when I am knocked down. He'll make sure that there's enough strength in me that I can hold up and I do not have to fold up. So I am going to glory in my tribulation. I am going to say, God is God. He knows the path that I take. He knows who I am. A matter of fact, He even knows me by name. He's working all this for my good. He's put me to the fire, through the furnace, and I'm going to come out pure as gold on the other side. He is cleansing me. He is purifying me. He is sanctifying me. So today as I close, and I am, do you trust God even when you do not understand a thing that He is doing in your life? Do you believe what also this guy with the thorn in the flesh, Romans 8, 28 wrote, that I know that all things are working together for the good to those who love the Lord. Real faith can say, like we preached last week, I sowed the seed. One time I got a hundredfold. Another time I'm still waiting for the increase, but I'm still going to sow anyhow. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to believe. So whatever you are going through today, the issue is do we have faith that we will trust God with or without the answers? Are you going to hold up? Or would you rather just go ahead and fold up? Here's the deal. God believes in you. Did you hear that? God believes in you. Now you need to learn to believe in yourself. That you are stronger than you think. And when you are weak, declare, I am strong. This thorn is not going to kill me. Mm -mm. No. Let's all stand. I got, I got to close. Today we pray.
I'm not going to be offended at my God. My faith believes with or without answers. Yes, even when I don't even understand it, I'm going to take the hand of Jesus and I'm going to walk with Him through every infirmity, through every trial, through every tribulation until the victory comes in my life. You promised me that, Lord. You would never leave me. You would never forsake me. You would go with me even unto the end. One of the most powerful scriptures you're ever going to read in your Bible is when Jesus Christ was about to make the ultimate sacrifice. You talk about a thorn in the flesh that Satan buffeted him with. Can you imagine the times that he said, you're going to die? And Jesus is in the flesh. Even though he knows it's his purpose, the flesh in him hurts. The Bible said that he got in that garden and he prayed until his sweat became his great drops of blood. The stress, the anxiety, the depression, whatever he was dealing with, I can't even imagine. It was so heavy on him that blood is falling and dripping. Literally seeping out of his skin. Some say it as if the blood vessels literally were bursting and coming out through his sweat and through his tears. That's crazy. Crazy. But that day, the most powerful scripture you ever read is when our Savior got down on his knees. Nobody is with him. He is all alone. His disciples have fallen asleep. That's right. Peter, James, and John, the inner circle. The guy that somehow, the old man, everybody will leave you, but I'll follow you, Jesus. Oh, I'll die for you, Jesus. That's what Peter said like that night while Jesus is all alone praying. And he says, go ahead, y'all just sleep on whatever. I'm going to pray one more time. But the words that he said that day, Phyllis, are so powerful because he said, Lord, you know what? If it is possible for this thorn, for this cup, for this thing buffeting me, if it is possible for this cup to pass from me so that I don't have to die, that would be great. If you would just take care of it, it would be great. If you would not put me through this, and we could think of another way. But he knew there was no other way. A lamb had to die. Not just a lamb, a perfect, spotless lamb had to die. There's only one virgin birth, folks. That means there's only one perfect sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. But if this cup could pass, let it pass. But nevertheless, King James Version, not my will, but thine be done. God didn't take it away from him. He had to go to that cross. And I'm telling some of you today, we can pray it all we want. God, let it pass, let it pass, let it pass. But if the process is not finished yet, it will not pass. So since it will not pass, and we've sought the Lord thrice, and God comes back with the same answer, I'm still working, but my grace will be sufficient. I'm still working. Just hold on a little while. When you're weak, say you're strong. Just trust me with the process. Then the only other thing we can say is, you know what? If my will's not going to be done, then Lord, I'm going to let your will be done. I don't know what it is. I don't understand how it's going to happen. But it's in your hands. Father, today I praise you for who you are. 
I thank you for every child of God that is in this house today. There are many that have faced trials, have faced tribulations. Many of them are buffeted by the enemy. Many of them, Satan has taught and whispered in their ear. And he has tried to let them know how their end is going to be. He has tried to rejoice over them. But enemy, do not rejoice over me. God hasn't forsaken me yet. The process isn't over. God's not finished yet. I'm going to trust God with the process. And I'm going to allow God to do what only God can do. I'm going to get them to sing. If you want to pray, you're more than welcome. I know we've already had, a, had an altar time, and that's fine. I appreciate that today, and I'm glad that God blessed you in that way. But if there's anybody else during this course, if you feel like you need to pray, these altars are always open. If not, we're going to bless you, and we're going to dismiss you today. Sing, sing that course, would you?